This Prop Talk recording is a news and opinion product that is the property of Original Prop Blog LLC, all rights reserved. Original Prop Blog LLC is not responsible for any statements or opinions expressed by the guests of this program. Live on tape from the OPB studios in Northern California, it's Prop Talk. Brought to you by the Original Prop Blog, we're making analog connections across the world. Each podcast features one-on-one chats with special guests to discuss the hobby of collecting original movie props and costumes. The Original Prop Blog is the original source of news, information, and opinion about authentic popular culture artifacts and memorabilia from film and television. Now, let's join our host, Jason DeBorg. Are you good to go? I'm good to go. <laughs> All right. So welcome to Prop Talk. And today I'm talking with Desi Dos Santos from Screen Used. How you doing, Jason? Good. How are you doing? Good. We've actually been chatting a little bit leading into this because we just get talking. Um, Desi's actually, I think you're actually the first person I ever met in person in the hobby. If I really? remember correctly. Maybe. It was that time you came over to my house and talked me out of certain pieces. <laughs> exactly. So that was probably back in maybe 2004, something like that. I don't know. It's all a blur. Yeah, it was a while. So anyway, um, thanks for being a guest on my podcast here. And I know I'm going to talk with Jeff um, sometime real soon as well. Um so let's let's I think everybody knows what screen used is you're basically one of the biggest most well-known dealers going back you know quite a few years so um let's let's start way back in the beginning what what tv shows and movies were you you know a fan of growing up well tv nothing in particular jumps out other than later on things like firefly Mm-hmm. But in particular, it was Back to the Future. That's kind of how I got into this hobby. It was um, it was the typical story where I didn't know you could have a piece from mm-hmm. the movie, right? And uh, I was joking around and talking to my wife about getting the Mattel hoverboard that uh, Michael J. Fox wrote in the movie, right? And I, I didn't even think it was a possibility, but this was back in the mid 90s maybe 95 or so and it was right around where when ebay was starting mm-hmm. and so just for a joke i typed in hoverboard on ebay and up pops a mattel hoverboard and i almost fell off my chair <laughs> and couldn't believe you know this can't be real because you can't really have it because michael j fox must still have the one that they right. must use <laughs> right because he only have one i mean there was only one in the movie <laughs> So, you know, little did I know, there's, you know, dozens and dozens. But uh, at the time, I thought it was only one. And uh, so I followed up and emailed the guy and got him on the phone. And it turned out to be uh, Michael Chronic from Startifacts, who I think you've heard of in the past. Uh-huh. Uh, and he had a store in Las Vegas uh, where he was selling props. Uh, and we talked over the phone for quite a bit, and he convinced me 
based on where it came from, the prop guy and everything else, that that it was real, and he guaranteed that it was real and was going to come with a certificate and the whole bit. And I kind of went, you know, wow, that must be real because I didn't know any better. Right. It has a COA. <laughs> it has to be <laughs> yeah, real. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It has a COA. It must be real. And, you know, I had never heard of a COA. I never heard of the hobby. I didn't even know it was, in it. you know, I was just blown away. So I just gave him my credit card number and said, FedEx it, please. Right. <laughs> And uh, he did. He took it off eBay and sold it to me, and uh, I got it the next day, held it in my hand, looked at the movie up on the screen, held it in my hand, looked back and forth, and I'm kind of freaking out. You know, of course, I knew nothing about screen matching or any of the other stuff. All I knew was, was this wood board was sitting in my hand all scratched up, and it was one of the ones that was being used by Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. And uh, that satisfaction lasted a whole, I don't know, two days? So I wanted to... <laughs> And I wanted the rest of the hoverboards, right? So the one warning for those of you listening to this podcast, <laughs> this is a drug, okay? <laughs> and I think you'll agree with me, Jason, uh-huh. that once you get started, you can't stop. It's very difficult to stop mm-hmm. <laughs> because you always want the next one that pairs up with it, something right. else that complements it, the better one, whatever it is, you know. And in this case, I had this hoverboard, which I should have been perfectly happy with, but there was more room on the credit card, so I wanted the other <laughs> hoverboards, right? And uh, at the time, uh, Michael had known somebody else uh, uh, that had two more of the set. And there's a set of five. There's Griff's board, there's three gang members, and then there's Marty's board, mm-hmm. right? And those are the four, the five main boards. So he found two others. And uh, if I recall right, it was the uh, spike board, which was the question mark board, and it was the Rising Sun, hmm. uh, which was uh, written by Jason Scott Lee. And uh, so he called me with those, gave me a price. Didn't really matter what the price was, though, because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted them anyway. Right. So bought them, and now I had a set of three. So, I, you know, over a couple of days, it happened real, real fast. Wow. Okay. Now, when you have three out of five, now the drug gets worse. <laughs> you got that itch to scratch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, the other two actually took a lot longer to come by. Uh, the the, the uh, Pitbull and the uh, NoTech took a bit longer to find. I eventually located a, a NoTech, and then the Pitbull was actually the hardest one to get. And that's when I started networking with other folks like Jeff, and I also started networking with um, Tim Ketzer up in Germany. Uh-huh. And this was Tim's board. He had the pit bull. I had been hunting down pit bulls all through, you know, once I, I found out who in, who in L.A. these originated from, I started calling around and talking to other prop guys, other collectors, other people in the hobby, and started to get to know people. And it somehow got around to Tim, and mm-hmm. we became real good friends and got on IM almost every night for years. Wow. Uh, we talked to each other about the hobby and about the movies and things, and he had this pit bull. And he wouldn't sell it to me, of course. <laughs> uh, and, and we were on IM one, one night kind of t- uh, typing back and forth. And um, what did I do? I think I said... I made some kind of a comment like, you know, when are you going to get rid of that old, you know, pit bull hoverboard? You don't really need it, you know, joking around. And his response, if I remember, was, don't tempt me. That was it. It was all over. You knew you had him. That was it. (laughs) So, uh, you know, 
I said, are you, are you sure you want me to make an offer? He says, well, make an offer, see what happens. And at the time, and I'm not going to go into the value of it, but the offer I made him was probably twice what it was worth at the time, which mm-hmm. is much less than it's worth now, right. <laughs> of course. But it was about twice what it was worth. And I think he said, I'll get back to you. And that was about <laughs> it. <laughs> Next day, we did the deal, and uh, I ended up buying it. And that was actually an interesting ordeal as well. Because we didn't know each other well enough for me to be sending cash to another country and him sending me a hoverboard. We just kind of texted here and there. Right. You know? Or, well, I am anyway. So he was friends with uh, Steve Sansweet, mm-hmm. who I think you know who is, right? Yep. Uh, I think he, doesn't he still run the fan club for Lucasfilm or I think he does something in marketing? Yeah, he's like, I think he's like vice president of fan relations or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But he's always at the celebrations and shows like that, right? So um, uh, I got to go to Steve Sansweet's house to go pick it up and give him the money and take the board and go away and take a quick tour of his stuff, you know, which was interesting. I thought that was very cool. So (laughs) I got that opportunity uh, through Tim. And then I had my set. Wow. But I don't think it stopped there. It just kind of kept going. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) So what was your um, your original um, purchase price on the first hoverboard? $2,800. Wow. Yeah, actually, Which was actually very expensive back then because once I got into this, we were finding Mattel boards for, you know, $1,500, grand all over the place. Right. You know, and it's just a shame I didn't buy them all at the time because there's always something else you want to buy and you can't afford everything. And so... Jeff and I have passed up many Mattel hoverboards at cheap prices. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just. And they skyrocketed later. I'm doing my fact check while I'm sitting here. I, I had exchanged emails with Steve Sansweet recently, and it says Director of Content Management and Head of Fan Relations, Lucas. There Hall. you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, he had a lot of cool stuff in, in his. Uh, in his, uh, it was like a converted barn. I yeah, guess. I think I've yeah. seen it on a TV show, but it was many years ago but i was pretty yeah. blown away by just how much stuff there is and yeah some really he had, he had a uh, full vader head the toe vader uh the biker scout helmet that uh prop store now has and several other other items that were very very cool um and then the majority of what he had though was merchandise that was his big collection was toys and merchandise yeah so the props and wardrobe was it was a smaller right piece of the uh, stuff yeah, very cool. Yeah, because I grew up on, you know, I love Star Wars and the Kenner stuff. So even that stuff I can geek out on. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so you somehow through this whole Back to the Future experience, that's when you met Jeff, your yeah. partner. I started kind of, you know, I found my, uh, you know how people talk about their Holy Grail? Right. <laughs> I didn't know I had one. I just wanted a teleboard, <laughs> but I found it on eBay. <laughs> It was your first purchase, so you can't... It was my first It's not purchase. a bad way to start out. No, it's not. And uh, and so I kept an eye on eBay back then, at the time, mid-90s. And uh, some guy had a... I think it was Marty's hat or Doc's hat. One of the two. I think it was Marty's hat. And it was Jeff. And I didn't get it. I didn't win it. But I still emailed him and said, hey, give me a call. And we chatted. And... it it went real well because he was just so into back to the future. And I was as well. It was, you know, both of our favorite movies. Mm -hmm. 
And he kind of opened it up a little bit and told me a few of the things that he had. And, you know, I tried to buy other things, of course. Uh, but it was more of a conversation where we were just chatting. And uh, it got to the point where we talked every every few days or so just about the hobby. And he had a very good contact because he was good friends with the property master. Mm-hmm. And so he had been buying things straight from the guy wow. over and over and over many times over several years. And he had amassed a collection that was just phenomenal for Back to the Future. And if you look at the in the sold section, the archive section of the website, yeah. most of the things that are Back to the Future were his from all three movies. But there's even more beyond that that he sold before we started Screen News that, that aren't even logged in, in the archive. Hmm. Um, I mean, we used to joke that we thought he had at least one proper costume from every single scene, every <laughs> frame of all three movies. Wow. Because his house was covered. Every wall of every room had props in, in display cases, early display cases. You know, so it was uh, it was insane. Uh, I got to know him fairly well over the phone, and he helped me get a few things through the property master as well. So we kind of were deciding who got what, and when he came up with things, he would call Jeff every once in a while and say, Hey, look what I found. In a box, I found this, 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 and this. Like, this was way before digital cameras. So... Mm-hmm. He would either say, I'll take it, or can you send me pictures? And right. when he sent send pictures, it was put it in an envelope and send me the pictures, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the guy didn't do email, right. ever. So it was phone and pictures, photographs. That was it, right? And uh, so we, we, we kind of got along real well, and there was a point in time where I was on a business trip out somewhere on the East Coast, and I said, hey, let me stop by. And So I did, and that's when I kind of fell off my chair again because to see all this stuff in real you know in real life right in front of me just you know i couldn't talk him out of anything he everything he everything he had he loved he didn't want to sell anything but i put my name on certain things and some of those i have today because he eventually he eventually changed direction and uh you know wanted to get a stormtrooper helmet and sold some other things and you know things kind of change right over time uh but uh that's kind of how we how we met yeah and how soon after that did you start um, Screen Used? Uh, it was quite a while after because we started Screen Used in 2003. We oh, must wow. have met around 96, you know. Uh, and there's a couple of things that kind of triggered it along the way. So we met around 96 or so, uh, and we were good friends all that time. And then in 2002... There was a show in Orlando called FX 2002. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was about. It was like toys, comic books, like a Comic-Con miniature kind of Comic-Con thing. Right. I don't remember exactly what it was all about, but they wanted us to put on a display. And we were hot to do it because we had everything from Back to the Future you could name, including the flying taxi from Back to the Future 2 that Jeff had. Mm-hmm. You know, So we put on a display that was very large, for one movie franchise, it was a lot of stuff. I mean, it, we must have had, I don't know, 100, 120 pieces. And they were all key things like Marty's resizing jacket, hoverboards, uh, you know, the car, Doc's radiation outfit, Marty's radiation outfit, you know, the remote control Doc used, all these stuff that we had at the time. And so we put on the show in, in 2002. And that kind of cemented things because then we we uh, we got real close at that at that point because I had to bring everything out there. We had to truck it all down to Orlando, and uh, you know 
put all the displays up. And as a matter of fact, uh, Tom Wilson was there who played Biff. Uh, and he was in our area signing autographs and things like that. So we got to meet him and got to be good friends with him as well. Yeah, and the, um, the Back to the Feature Forum was running pretty strong back at that time, right? Yes. Because yes. I think I remember reading about what you guys were doing at that show at that time on that forum. Because I, th- yeah. I totally remember like seeing pictures of it and stuff. So, Yeah, there was a lot of pictures taken. Uh, com is Stephen Clark's site, and he's been around for a long time, long before I was collecting. Uh, and he took over the fan club from somebody or other. I, I don't remember who, but... Uh, he has grown it into something very, very large, and he he was there uh, with Tom and kind of handling Tom and the autographs and all the, right. the fans and stuff. Where Jeff and I were just there to answer questions, you know. Yeah. And I remember a lot of people came by, um, you know, a lot of collectors that we didn't know at the time, um, and actually some of the stars. I'm trying to remember at the time it was um, I don't even know how to pronounce the name Joey Fatone or Fatoni or whatever. You, uh-huh. What what is it? Backstreet Boys or Insync or one of the one of the above. Right. He came <laughs> by. I guess he's bands. he's a big he's a big uh, comic book fan, I think, or a big Superman fan or something. And he came through and just you know was asking questions about everything. You know, let me see that and how's that work and where was this used and so he was really curious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other person that struck me uh, was um, Jeremy Bullock, who mm-hmm. played uh, Boba Fett. Yeah. He was extremely interested. He was just impressed at how we had kept everything and how it was all preserved and put in display cases and how, you know, we were showing it all. And he was really curious about all the pieces. It was a neat conversation to get into with, you know, Boba Fett right. <laughs> about Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, kind of surreal moment there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, one thing I know when we met, um, and then you showed me your collection at your house a long time ago. And that I was a pretty new collector at the time. So I was really just learning and kind of like a sponge. And the one thing that really struck me when we met and you showed me your collection was you, instead of just saying, you know, here's this, here's that, you went into the provenance and authenticity of like every single piece to like the extreme, which was for me just really fascinating and real learning experience for me. Um, you know, obviously in kind of my trajectory in the hobby here, but, um, you're, I just, it struck me that you're just a real stickler for authentication. And yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, that's, that's, that's obviously most important to all of us. Right. Right. Um, and it's just not worth the risk. You know, there's been, I think everybody's been burned somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you about my my fun burned time because I think there <laughs> were two or three of us collectors that got burned at the same time. Uh-huh. And to this day, I still have the pieces right over here next to my desk in the drawer. <laughs> uh, and it was a James Bond watch. Huh. Did I ever tell you about this? No, story? no. Uh, well, it was on eBay, of course. First mistake. <laughs> First mistake, don't buy things on eBay. But anyway, this is way back. And it was uh, an Omega watch, or Omega, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And those it. are, the real watches are very expensive, regardless oh, yeah. of any oh, yeah. use in a film or a TV show. I exactly. Know, from the auctions, yeah. Exactly. The real watch is, I don't know, five or ten grand or so. I don't know what it is. But it was definitely a replica of a Omega. Uh-huh. It wasn't a real Omega. They didn't claim it was. But it was drilled up through the back with a bunch of fiber optic lights, and it was the, I'm trying to 
which movie it was, but he was coming down a hill, and he had this little watch that lit up little like little uh, lights all the way around the dial, and mm-hmm. it did something. It something jumped, you know, flew out of it or something. I forget what it was. Right. But anyway, everything sounded real. Everything was seemed correct. It was going to come with a letter from so and so, and the whole bit, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Uh, at the time, I was asking questions about it. They offered it to me off eBay. They said, well, hey, if you're willing to pay this much, I'll give you 10 out. I'm like, great. I don't have to compete with everybody. I'll, I'll take it. The problem is they did that to about two or three other collectors at the same time. Mm-hmm. And once I got the watch in my hands, and I looked at it, and I said, this looks really hokey. Yeah. I mean, it was a real metal watch. It was really a, a replica of the of the watch. It had been drilled through from the back, and fiber optics were kind of Mickey Mouse glued in and stuff. But it was just so... Um, brittle and just didn't seem like it would last even one take that I kind of started questioning it. So I tried to get back a hold of this person and got phone number. The phone number was disconnected and on and on. It just, just was sounding bad. Right. Then I bumped into another collector that had the exact same story, exact same thing, and we just all deduced, okay, these aren't real. We just got taken. Right. You know. And thank God it wasn't too expensive. It was like a couple grand or so, 1800 or something, but still... Yeah. It, to this day, I've got the thing sitting over there in a drawer to remind me, <laughs> don't ever, you know, ask all the questions. Don't trust anybody. Right. Get the information yourself. Look it up. Do your research before you jump. You know, if the deal is too good to be true, hit probably, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? There are a few occasions, I think, when you're collecting, when you get a good deal on something, but that's definitely not everything you come across that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> well, especially off eBay. Yeah. So your collecting has kind of mirrored the growth of the internet, you know, having kind of started out with eBay. What do you think kind of the future of the hobby is like, where do you think it's going? How big do you think it's going to get? Um, you know, what impact do you think the TV show and the sci-fi channel is going to have? You know, what what are kind of your general thoughts? You know, it's tough to tell, but yeah, I think, you know, I caught it fairly early. Jeff caught it even before me, which is great because he had the opportunity uh, to get things early on when they were, you know, affordable. Right. Uh, Now that there's more population, there's only so many pieces from iconic movies. Yeah. You know? And there's not too many iconic movies coming out anymore. Yeah, they don't make them anymore. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I have this uh, 80s... Uh, Definitely. <laughs> you know, uh, what would, what would I call it? Fixation. Uh, yeah, fixation, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's a safe word. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, so there's only a certain number that, that you can get. Yeah. Um, where a lot of the newer ones just really don't do a whole bunch for me. I mean, I, I really liked Avatar, but there's really nothing to get from Avatar. It's all digital. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I I think that um, with a lot of the bigger auctions that are happening, uh, with, with Prop Store getting some of the productions, with uh, some of the other uh, auction houses like Profiles doing some of these big lost auctions and things like that, mm-hmm. it's definitely becoming a little more commercialized. Uh, it's, I mean, I guess with the lost auction, it's become ridiculously public. I mean, yeah. there's been television spot after television spot on, you know, whatever it was, Good Morning America, everything, Yeah, where what? Joe it, was standing there saying, here's the <laughs> stuff you can buy. Yeah. 
because I, I was like trying to cover them and then it just got to the point where there was just so many um, videos from various mainstream media sources. It's kind of like, well, <laughs> I give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saturation it, point. So I think that uh, if productions start going that route and keep going that route, uh, it's going to become bigger. And I don't necessarily know if that's going to make the, t- the prices less. Yeah. When I look at just what happened this last weekend with Lost, some of those prices were stupid high. Yeah, it's insane. You know? Yeah. So that tells me that there's a lot of people that are uh, either after the same thing or there's several people that are after the same thing that are non-collectors that mm-hmm. are thinking it's the only one in the world that they're going to be able to get. Yeah, and see, I kind of think that, that it's almost like there's going to be two paths. There's going to be sort of the we might want to say traditional hobbyist where this is our hobby collecting you know these artifacts from different Mm -hmm. tv shows different films but then with these sort of event um single property sales i think it's different like with lost how many of those people that have never bought a proper costume that you know participate in this this auction how many um, of them are going to go on to buy things from other TV shows, other movies, or is it just sort of a one time they love the show, they want one thing from the show, and then they're kind of done, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's so impossible to tell if what's going to happen, you yeah. know? Uh, it's just not too many six season lost type shows are going to pop up. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what happened with Buffy. I mean, when that they they liquidated a lot of that on eBay and I mean the the prices were crazy just for, you know, some random set piece that you might catch a glimpse of for one second in some random episode, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I you know, I I guess there's there's always the multiple ways of looking at it. the studio just want to liquidate and get things out of the way. Mm-hmm. And other other cases like Lost, where the studio looks like they were really involved and wanted to make a production out of it. Yeah, because I think you know? I heard they spent like a quarter of a million dollars with the whole exhibit that they did, you know, where it I looks like the it. island. And, you know, that's a pretty big investment. It's. Did you ever catch the final number on? No. It must be over $2 million, I would think, yeah. of what, what they sold through. So the thing that blew yeah, me away was I only watched bits and pieces, but the... Um, the pilot screenplay with the signatures from, you know, autographs from the two executive producers selling for $15,000. That's just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, those are non-collectors obviously. Yeah. Right. Otherwise they would have known better that, uh, it's just one of many copies. It wasn't handwritten. It's printed these days, Yeah, you know, on a printer. And, uh, they got a couple of autographs right. basically for that price, what they got. Yeah. Cause my first thought was you could have printed out the script yourself and gone to comic con and gotten their <laughs> autographs for free. And Absolutely. that's better than 15 grand, but you Absolutely. Know, it comes with the well, COA. So <laughs> yeah, well, well, then that makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the hype. Yeah. It's the hype, you know, I mean, a lot of things, uh, from the auction were key. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, great and very iconic. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I still think people got out of hand in a lot of cases. Yeah. So it, it, overall, that's, I think, going to be a piece of the driving force for the hobby down the road. Because I think that could be pulled off again with yep. something else iconic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So no. you're not really into TV, but I know one of the other franchises you're really into is um, Terminator franchise. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> and one of the things that struck me when I came to your house is you have, um, and I don't know if this is unusual, but you have a Harley in your dining room. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know if that's unusual. I don't think I've I'm ever gonna, seen that like before. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess it's usual for some people when they're working on their bike, but you know, this one doesn't get worked on. It doesn't get ridden ever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought that was the best place to put it. So yeah, there's a bike in the middle of the house. Yeah. So so that's dedication. <laughs> yes, it is. It's uh, it's definitely dedication and uh, the willingness of my wife to let me take part of the part of the dining room. But uh, it it uh, it's definitely when when you walk in the room as a centerpiece of the collection as you know the full Arnold outfit that goes with it. Um, as a matter of fact, what I'm working on right now is a new display, and I'm asking uh, Tom Spina for some help on it uh, to make a, a Arnold head and some hands and things, and I'm going to have him sitting on the bike. Oh, wow. So I had him kind of standing separately in a display case and, and the bike there, but now that I've got the gun and I've got his sunglasses, I think it would make a better display all put together. So that's what I'm working on Very this year cool. when cool. I have a chance. So... So yeah, the bike, um, again, it's one of those things that just kind of popped up. God, you know, I should look back at when I bought that. It's got to be, wow, maybe early 2000s, maybe 2001, maybe. Uh huh. When did you come by? Uh, it 2004, you were thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking it must have been 2004. So, so the bike must have been around 2001 or so. And um, I'm afraid to tell you, but it was on eBay, you know. <laughs> And uh, it was described as the bike used in the movie. So, of course, you know, being a little more educated, I said, no way. Prove it to me, right? And so the guy I was talking to on the phone said, well, hold on. I'll have you talk to Mr. Kassar. (laughs) And he transferred the phone. I'm like, Mario Kassar, I know that name. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, is that the name that pops up in the... in front of the flames of the exactly. endoskeleton skull in front of T2. <laughs> uh, I think that is. Right. And so he talked to me a little bit and uh, verified it was who it was. And I kind of gulped a little bit. And so, okay, let me think about it, sir. And I'll get back to you kind of thing. And that was it. And then I had to think, and he didn't want to bargain on price at all. He was just, you know, here's the price, take it or leave it kind of thing. Right. And he right. had two of them. He had two of these bikes. Wow. And so he, he just wanted to let go of one of them. And uh, so I got back to his assistant, and then I had them send me a detailed pictures of both bikes all the way around. I wanted to see all the details. And Of the two bikes, one of them had, uh, the one that I got had um, more mileage, I forget, 14,000 miles. The other one had a couple hundred miles. It was newer. Hmm. Uh, mine was all scratched up. Mine had saddlebags on it, and it had this piece of metal, this piece of steel bolted to the front of the frame, kind of sticking out, mm-hmm. right? And it was all a little bit of surface rust on it. It didn't come with a bike. Absolutely not. And the other one didn't have some of those things, right? So right. I started researching and looking it up, and there it is on screen, the piece of bar. And it has two <laughs> little foot pegs in it. And when he takes John Connor and he throws him onto the oh, tank yeah. to ride down the freeway, he's uh-huh. got his feet on these pegs. Wow. So that was the bike I wanted. Right? So I said, work the deal. And I said, part of the deal is, you know, I want to meet you. I want to pick it up from you. I want, you know, build a sales sign by you. And he said, oh, no, no problem at all, right? Right. So I went to his house to to pick this thing up with a trailer, got to meet him, you know, went through his house and looked at his 
Stallone knives from Rambo and everything else that was on his wall. <laughs> and he wouldn't sell me anything else, of course. And the two bikes were there. And so I said, well, this is the one I want. He says, are you sure? That was kind of scratched up and beat up. This one over here is in much better condition. And I said, yeah, it has character. It has character. I'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I had done my research. I knew which one I wanted. You know, I, I knew this one was the one and the other one was some kind of a backup because it didn't have all the pieces on it. Right. You know? And so I uh, loaded it up and took it home and rode it up the steps and put it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's been there ever since. So if I remember right, you had at the time the holster with a stunt shotgun. Is that right? Yeah. At the time, I had a stunt shotgun I had purchased from another uh, collector. And it's, you know, rubber. Right. But it was it it was okay, and uh, the funny thing about it was when I bought the bike, the the leather bags, the saddle bags on the back, right uh-huh. on the right hand side, the top flap was like torn off. It was kind of like modified. I looked at it and said, somebody screwed with the bag, right? Uh-huh. Once I got the stunt gun, and I looked at the hole in the bag, and I went, uh oh, and it slipped right in. <laughs> so it was made for the shotgun to wow. go in there, right? And then, of course, as you know, later on with Stembridge auction, I got the uh, the live firing shotgun, which was the one that he uh, spun, cocked, right. whatever, kind of like the one that you have. Right. And uh, so now I can display that with the with the bike. Yeah. Now the Little John's um, auction for the Stembridge collection. That was actually when I first met Jeff. Did he bid on both? Of the two shotguns that they sold, the hero ones, or did he just go for the loop one? You know, I don't know. It was such a rush because with the auction, we only found out like a day or two ahead, and that's why I couldn't go. I was in a, on a business trip or something, and so he flew from Florida all the way out there. We had spent one one night, late at night, like the night before, went through the catalog and made our list. Right. And we had about 30 guns on our list. These are the 30 we want, you know, and here's the price to stop at jeff right he flew out went there boom just started going through them and i don't really recall if we had both shotguns but i knew the one that i got was the one i really really wanted right because yeah. it had the modified handle yeah um and so he eventually did get that we ended up with I don't know, five or six guns uh the other one was the raiders pistol which has moved on from my collection since yeah then. that was such a killer piece or is such a killer piece yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. But like we all say, we can't have it all. <laughs> Not all at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So over the years, you've had a lot of um, cool pieces come and go. What are some of your favorite things that you've sold on? Oh, my gosh, that I've sold on. Not that you nev- necessarily ever you know, personally own, but what are some of the coolest pieces that have passed through ScreenUse.com? Uh, I should have been prepared with this one. Well, the the cool things that have gone through us. Let me let me start with. Uh, well, we'll go back to Indy's hat. How about we go back to that one? Uh, the Superman three costume. Um, Christopher Reeve wore in Superman three. Mm-hmm. That was phenomenal, and I had it on display in my house for a while. And it was one of those things that. You know, it's so iconic that I should keep, but I'm just not a big superhero fan. Right. It's just not a big deal for me, so I ended up moving on with that. Um, another very cool thing that uh, I eventually let go of was a TIE Fighter helmet. 
Yeah, that was a really cool piece. Yeah, that one was interesting because it was on Jez Hill's site, which is StarWarsHelmets.com. Yep, that's it. And uh, it was there uh, with a bunch of pictures and with a little thing saying, hey, contact us, it's for sale. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Seriously? And I think it had been there for several months before I had just bumped into it. I was looking for a Vader helmet was what I was doing. I was searching the web and I ran into this. So I emailed them back and forth, talked about it. We worked the deal, and the rest is history. Uh, I'm glad I, I had bought it at the time, uh, you know. But uh, again, it, it had moved on. Um, other than that, you haven't mentioned any mystery men uh, <laughs> costumes. Yet. No, those weren't a problem <laughs> letting go of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's how you and I, I think, first got because st- I started collecting mystery men stuff, and then yep, I think Jeff. Yep had called me at some point and I, you know, you guys were like the mystery men connection. And the funny thing is back then, I don't know if I should um, mention him by name, but his name's Bill. He was really into mystery <laughs> men too. And we actually were fighting over that stuff, which oh, is so pretty comical. Um, Time changed. Time changed. I don't even remember where we were getting it, but we definitely got a chunk all at once. I remember that. Yeah. It was just a whole bunch of things were coming in. And it's like right and left. And there was no way, you know, I even without authenticity, nobody would fake those. Right? Exactly. What would the point be? You know, there there might not even be a market for it. So, <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, the other things that really bother me to this day that I, we let go of, that I let go of, that I had in my hands were um, uh, Deckard's shirt and tie from Blade Runner. Oh yeah, I remember that. That is really still bugging me to this day um, because it was just you know it's, it's timing. You know, when, when we started screen used, you know, we'd purchase things to sell and you look at a lot of the things you go, wow, that'd be cool to keep. Wow. That'd be cool to keep. And that just only a limit. Yeah. You know, you just can't keep doing it. So those moved on, which really bums me. Well, I think Um, the thing is too, is that wardrobe often is not recognizable, but if you're a Blade Runner fan, I mean, if you saw that, you'd immediately know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And Blade Runner is just such an important film, you know, and it's not just a good film. I mean, it's an important film. So, yeah. Well, the thing is, at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. Right. It was, yeah, it's okay movie. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I started watching it a couple more times once it came out on on disc and things like that. And I really got into it and I liked it more, but the stuff was gone. Yeah. And you can't get it back, you know, in most cases. So, so those have kind of still haunt me. Um, I did end up picking up another Blade Runner shirt, uh, Harrison Ford shirt, another auction recently, but I had to pay, you know, tons more for it. Right. Um, a few Fight Club jackets that we had, I still look at every once in a while and go, wow, should have hung on to those. Those are the ones that Oz has, right? Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are killer. They're great. There's these yellow shoes. <laughs> oh, no. Some guy brought by me. Oh. Oh, yeah, that was you. <laughs> from the bride's shoes from Kill Bill. Yeah. Those I always think about from time to time as well. Yeah. So there's, there's some things that have come through. Uh, actually, this other thing here, now, now that I think about it, um, uh, Doc's stopwatches from Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Sold them to another friend, a collector friend. And yeah. he still has them. But uh, it was at a time where I was trading for something else or buying something. You know yep. how it goes. Yeah. 
and I let them go. And it couldn't have been months later. I thought, I thought to myself, what was I doing? Yeah. Why did I let those go? They were screen matching only pair period done. That was them. Yeah. Got them straight from the property master. They worked electronics worked in them the whole bit. They were synchronized with a box. It's, uh, wow. So I still, <laughs> I still get bummed about that. Let's yeah. not talk about the things that went away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is sometimes you'll, you'll own something and you'll sell it. And then later on, you'll get something else or a little collection of something where there's like a theme going. Yep. Where the other thing you sold would just be perfect, but it's gone, you know? Yep. So, yeah. it, it is true. Uh, people get on themes. And I've had a couple themes that have kind of come and gone as well. Yeah. I have a sunglasses theme. Yep. It's hard to see that, but if you look through some of the stuff, sunglasses are popping up left and right and i don't know why i'm yeah. not a big sunglasses person it just happens to be that you've got johnny depp's from uh the dillinger movie what it was called yeah and where did you buy those public enemies where did, public where, enemies and where, yeah. did, where did you buy that i got them directly from the costumer but they were on uh, ebay right were they mm-hmm. i remember that auction because i remember i looked at the glasses and then i looked at a still and you could actually screen match them right yeah, you know, yep. they, they definitely the screen match. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have bought them. Those are the ones. Um, I forgot how that transpired. I think I was emailing the guy, and then he offered to me offline or something, and I just said, okay, fine. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just kind of – so the sunglasses thing has kind of grown. So you've totally then, you've totally blown my whole eBay philosophy. That <laughs> there's never anything good there, and you've basically Every once got in a while, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to do your research, as you know, right? Oh, yeah. Let me give you another example of that. Um, there's a flight suit that I have from Top Gun. Oh, and I, I came so close to bidding on that. But I knew it was good, but I just, the money wasn't oh, you there did? at the time. You didn't know oh, it was yeah. good? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because it was um, it absolutely screen matched. Yeah. Absolutely screen yep. matched. Uh, but it was very tough to see that. You would have had to spend hours to yeah. finally realize the wrinkles around some of the patches matched on screen. Yeah, I think I did and, spend hours. Actually, I think I might have been the underbidder on that. Now that I think. Really? But it didn't sell for very much. No, it was pretty cheap. A couple yeah. grand, I think. It was yeah. pretty cheap. I always wanted a flight suit, you know, yeah. from, from the movie. And uh, so I eventually screen matched it. And the story was the worst in the world. This guy had bought it at a garage sale. Yeah. I mean, what better way to, to put up a red flag, don't buy this proper <laughs> costume, than say, I got it at a garage sale in Hollywood. Uh, you yep. got to be kidding me. But he did. And it was real. Yep. So, yeah, so that it happens. But with eBay, I mean, you've got to be... You could, you just have to assume it isn't real, yeah. like you've said before. Assume it's not real and prove to yourself why it's real. Yeah. Otherwise, forget it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I stopped. I, I honestly stopped pretty much looking at eBay probably maybe two years ago because I just – it just got to the point where it was just aggravating to me to just <laughs> click on a page and see a bunch of stuff and most of it, you know, enough said. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't look at it very often at all either. If somebody alerts me to something, that's the only time I look. Yeah. And it's but, typically somebody that's using my pictures. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you mentioned Top Gun. What's what's my favorite piece in your collection? Oh, I don't know. I think it's Mystery Man. <laughs> that would probably In your be private collection. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be the Maverick helmet. Ah, I love that helmet. Yeah, the Maverick helmet, uh, that would be thanks to Brianna, yeah. who you did a pod, couple of podcasts with yeah. before. Uh, I knew Brianna 
several years ago and, and got to know her and picked up a few things from her. And, uh, again, a fun little story. Uh, we were talking one day and I just said, Hey, you know, just out of some chance, you run into a Maverick helmet, <laughs> you know, I'd really love to get that because, you know, m- my wife really is a fan of Tom Cruise and would love to get one, you know, just in case you just have ever happened to do that. Right. And it couldn't have been less than a year. Uh, yeah, it was less than a year later. She called and says, you're not going to believe what I got sitting here on my desk. <laughs> and I said, what? Maverick helmet. I flew down. I didn't even drive down there. <laughs> I flew down, you know, because we're up in northern California here. Yeah. And typically I drive back and forth. I flew down and then held it in my lap and flew back. You know, it was, <laughs> it was that important to get it immediately. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, being, it, uh, yeah, I mean, being a, being a fan of the eighties to me, like there's only, there's, there's a finite number of films where it's just screams eighties. And then I mean, Tom Cruise, <laughs> come on. I'm not the biggest yeah. Tom Cruise fan, but in that movie, like I just love that movie and it's like, wow. Yeah. Tom Cruise. And the uh, soundtrack. I mean, that, yeah. cause that thing just hit on all cylinders. It's got yeah. the soundtrack. It's, you know. Yeah, Top Gun does kind of scream 80s, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you were asking me earlier about uh, screen news, and we went off on the other stuff. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me kind of tell you how that came about. So it was around 2003. Yeah, 2003, September 2003. And Jeff and I had been real good friends for a long time, and we always joked about, yeah, we ought to do this as a business because – we were starting to get emails from people saying, Hey, will you find something for me? I'll pay you. Right. You know, because we started, uh, we threw up a couple of websites. I think I put one up. I think mine was called screen use. If I remember just as a private collection. Yeah. And he had one called bttfprops.com. Yep. And we just kind of, we were trying to get into the internet thing and create a website and, you know, share with other collectors that we had been communicating with and kind of get that rolling. We had always joked about it. it. Wouldn't be funny if we did that for a job, you know, Mm-hmm. And there was a point in time Jeff was doing um, marble work and tile work, in particular marble, uh, installing marble in houses and things. And uh, he hurt his back. And so he ended up having to change jobs. Hmm. He, was, he was out. That was it. No more lifting marble tables, you know. And um, that was uh, around 2003. And so the joke became a little more real. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, and he... We we sat down and talked about it, and so I am hey, I'm willing to give it a shot if you want to give it a shot, you know. Uh, but there was a couple stipulations. One is I actually do have another job. Right. You know, I have a software company that uh, I'm part of since '94, and uh, that's doing real well. And I I can't just leave that. I have to see that through to to you know until it's successful, whenever that is, and years down the road when some big company buys us for billions of dollars or something. <laughs> So, so that's still ongoing, and so one of the stipulations were, you know, I can do this at night, but I can't do it during the day, you know. So he said, sure, let's do it. So he signed up for running it during the day. I run it during the night and, you know, see how it goes. Hmm. Uh, and we've continued uh, since 2003 on, and uh, we've always wanted to keep it kind of small and tight between us. We, you know, really don't want to trust some outsider with, you know, a bunch of props in their hand. Right. And... um it got to the point where uh, we started needing some additional help, so we had hired um, – he has three brothers, and we had hired one of his brothers. He worked for a while for us for a year or so, and then we hired another brother, Ron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sadly, at the beginning of this, this year, Ron passed away from a stroke. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, we kind of sat down and rethought what we really want to do. Right. And so uh, we kind of slowed down a bit and said, okay, hold on, well, you know, what do we want to do? And we were kind of ramping up to start looking at the bigger picture and bigger productions and things like that. And once that happened, you kind of you kind of sit down and think. Yeah, it just and, changes uh, your perspective on everything. Big time, yeah. big time. Yeah. And so uh, we decided, you know what? We like what we're doing. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're we're not going to go after any kind of production uh, or anything like that. You know, some of the bigger things that that prop store does, right. uh, which they do real well. And uh, we're going to concentrate on keeping it small, personal, just between us. And uh, you know, we're still going to post things every day like we're doing. We're still going to get cool stuff and concentrate on the display cases and everything else that we do. And so that's that's kind of how we're going. We're having fun at it. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we, the other thing that we did the last year, was it? Yeah, it was last year, last September. We brought up a second site called the Production Art Gallery, right. which I know you know about, right? Yep. And in, in reality, I think the Production Art Gallery is just a bit ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of positive response. We've had a lot of interest, but not a whole radical amount of people just buying up the pieces, right. you know? Uh, and this is original, one of a kind, one only in the world, hand drawn or hand painted art. Every single one of them. None of them are copies. Right. And so it's the only one you would ever find anywhere. And this is the kind of stuff that leads up to these productions and makes the productions happen. Uh, so, you know, we ended up uh, combining the two sites back together. And actually, that's done real well because we've had. Uh, more sales since we've combined the site. So I think that a lot of the prop and wardrobe collectors are now seeing the stuff mixed right. in. Right. And uh, so we've had some sales that way. But we kind of thought it deserved its own thing to honor all the artists and put, a, the, put their bios up and things like that. And right. it didn't, just didn't, didn't, didn't work out on its own. So I think it'll do fine mixed in with the rest of the screening and stuff. Yeah, well, I think a lot of things in our hobby are ahead of, ahead of its time because it's just we're kind of all in our own ways kind of creating it as it goes along. And I think um, I'd be interested to know like the people who are buying the artwork, are they, is it prop collectors buying something that they have a prop from and it's like the same film to sort of display next to it? Or are you getting like different people that are just into that kind of artwork? It's more along the lines of people that are into the artwork. I've had a couple of prop and wardrobe collectors go with things but mm-hmm. it was more along the lines of productions they like or tv shows they like uh it's going to be pretty tough to accidentally run across the wardrobe design for the wardrobe you bought right. you know, unless it's more recent because a lot of the stuff we have is from the 60s 70s uh mostly 60s and 70s some on the 80s yeah uh, because these are the things people have these artists have, have held on to forever right you know and once you started getting into the 90s they started going digital right so a lot of this is lost art that just won't happen ever again. When you yeah. do a production today, you give them a Photoshop file. Yeah. You don't give them a hand-drawn, hand-painted piece of art. Yeah. So it is kind of strange. It's it's just like you know we were talking about the '80s movies. This stuff's going away. Yeah. So it's it's you know it's not being destroyed or it's not going to disappear. It's just that there's not too many other chances you're going to find, you know, 1960s Lost in Space television costume designs and some of them that we actually got in that particular show 
have little pieces of velour cloth, olive, orange, and gold, you know, <laughs> stapled to the paper because it was the actual piece of cloth that, you know, he wanted them to make the outfits from. Yeah. I mean, that, that you just hold it in your hand, you look at it and go, oh, my God. You know? Yeah. Well, this, this, was, this was a design. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see how much technology is really changing sort of what's created and what's left behind. Because even look at that um, Raider script that was in that last big profiles auction, you know, with all the hand notations and everything. I mean, now, I don't know, maybe an actor would get an iPad with the script pages on it or something. <laughs> I mean, it's just not the same anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, like you not. mentioned Avatar, you know, how much of how much of it's digital, so... Well, I, you know, after seeing the movie, I really liked the movie. That's one movie in, in years that I've really, really liked, and I wouldn't mind seeing a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so personally, I like it. But I don't know what I could get yeah. other than a gun or a knife, you know, or maybe a costume. But, you know, <laughs> once they're on Pandora, you can't get anything. You just have, to be, hap- you have to be happy with the Blu-ray disc, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hmm. So, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, I don't know. You tell me. I think we hit kind of on everything we talked about on the front end. Um, and I know I'm going to talk to Jeff real soon. And I know you and I are going to talk about something special um, a little bit further down the road, which we won't disclose at this point. Um, yep. Yeah, I think you'll have a good conversation with uh, Jeff as well. Yeah. Uh, because uh, he is, he's not doing, you know, building custom display cases as as a job. He's he's enjoying it, and he wants to make a piece look its best possible. That's his goal. Yeah. You know, and if you're not happy, he'll, he'll do it again. You yeah. know, he's just that kind of guy. Well, I remember the first, oh. I think the first thing he ever made for me, it must have been the... Um, the hoverboard display. Oh yeah. I remember I was just, I was honestly just blown away at how well it was packed (laughs) because it came (laughs) in all these different boxes and he had like cardboard screwed into, you know, screw holes. And it was just like, I was like, wow, this guy is just something else. Give him a bad time about that. We've actually had people (laughs) complain they can't get into their box. Yeah. It's kind of like, you can't reuse the boxes he sends you. It's sort of like, um, the, the little plastic hard case things that like, you know, Microsoft windows comes in where you can't even get into the packaging. It's sort of like that, but to an extreme. Well, we've learned our lesson over the years is the problem in that no matter what carrier you use, FedEx, UPS, whoever it is, they're bound to drop it off a truck. Yeah. And he packs something so that if it's dropped off the truck, it's still going to survive. Yeah. That's the goal. And if, if it becomes a little bit larger and a little bit heavier, <laughs> oh, well. You know, yeah. And then, and then the other thing that we've been really leery of over the years has been going outside the country. We want to seal it to the point where customs just says, "Oh, forget it." Yeah, is that <laughs> what know, really happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if it really does. But if you if you come up across a box and it's big enough and it's stapled all the way across with those big metal staples and yeah. it's taped, you're kind of going to go, mm, "Do I really want to get into this?" Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way of putting it back. Yeah, you know. So, oh, well. Oh, the other thing I want to ask you about is um, Indiana Jones, the hat, the fedora. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. Um, the hat. So, 
let me tell you the story on the hat. Um, that's that is probably my my favorite piece mm-hmm. out of the collection, and uh, the hat has a long history. Um, it had been with two prior collectors, and it was uh, sold to me as the stunt stunt guy's hat. Mm-hmm. It was the stunt guy that had to do the the trick where uh, Indy went underneath the truck and was dragged underneath the truck and came back around and then, you know, took over the truck. Right. And I guess they had to refilm that a few times. And the stunt guy grabbed a hat out of the box, put it on, filmed it, all done. And then I guess he asked to keep the hat. And they said, yeah, sure, you can keep it. And he asked Harrison Ford to sign it. So it's signed on the sweatband by Harrison Ford on the inside. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, well, Good you know, move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, it went to, uh, from the stunt guy to a collector that had it for a number of years. Uh, and then that moved on to another collector. And I knew this other collector had it. And I had been bugging him for, oh, I would say six years, uh, to buy the hat. And it just wouldn't free up, wouldn't free up, wouldn't free up. And, um, it happened to be at the time I got the T2 bike. See, these all come together into a big <laughs> circle here. I was just finished riding the bike up into the house with all the smoke clearing in the living room <laughs> from the exhaust and the phone rang and it was a collector saying, okay, need some cash. You want to buy the hat? Here's the price. Went, oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> Cause I just made a big purchase that same day. Right. Yeah. But it's one of those things you get one chance, yeah. you got to jump on it and you can't dilly dally or it's going to the next guy. Right. right? So I said, sure, let me figure it out. I'll call you back tomorrow and we'll figure it out. So I I got the hat. And again, it was a stunt guy's hat. So I was happy to get any hat because they're just hard to come by. And so stunt guy, Harrison Ford, I don't care. Well, plus it's from the, the original movie too. So. Yeah, and it was a, a Raiders hat. Yeah. You know, and it was known to be a Raiders hat from the all the, the, the three sources that it right. came through. Right. So that I was happy with. Now this was, I can't even remember the year, so I'd have to go back and look, but it was... A while back, and there were no DVDs out for Indiana Jones, any mm-hmm. of the movies. They, the DVDs weren't out. You had VHS and Laserdisc. That was it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't maybe, maybe it was three or four months after I got the hat that the DVDs came out. So I was excited to get them and put them into the into the computer and start uh, going frame by frame to look at the hat. So I immediately went right to that scene to look at the hat. And there's a stunt guy with the hat, and I started matching a few things immediately. I could see some dirt stains and some stuff, and I'm like, oh, great, that's great. So, it, you know, it actually matches. Right. Cool. And then I kept watching the scene a little bit, and Harrison Ford's beating the guy up in the in the truck, and I freeze frame, and I noticed something that looked familiar, a thread that was hanging down and another dirt stain, and I almost, well, pretty much almost <laughs> peed my pants. And uh, it was my hat. It was the hat, and Harrison Ford's wearing my hat in that mm-hmm. scene. So I was jumping up and down, running around the house, wondering, you know, how this could have happened. How could nobody, how could, you know, mm-hmm. nobody noticed it. Yeah. Well, nobody noticed it because it came from good sources. Nobody questioned it. And it was VHSs that everybody had and nobody even looked at it. So you may not have even seen the detail, mm-hmm. you know. So it just happened. And he happened to pick up, you know, the right hat, I guess, right? Yeah. So I was excited enough about that, but then I said, okay, well, i got to do my duty. i got to go through the whole movie. And wouldn't you know, the hat's in almost every scene of the whole movie, of course, right? Because wow. it's iconic. 
So I start off with the um, temple where he's getting the idol and the big ball rolling, right? Right. And he comes up, wrong hat. Absolutely the wrong hat. You can see the wrinkles and the ribbon don't match and things like that. So that's yeah. eh, fine. I expected that, right? <clears throat> then he um, he shows up in the marketplace, I think. And there's a very good close-up where he go, runs right up in front of the camera and he kind of pauses. Yeah. You know, how yeah. they do that throughout the movie where Harrison Ford's face and hat, that's all you see in the, in the, on screen. Right. And I pause it there. And lo and behold, some threads, some dirt, some marks, some wrinkles. Oh, my gosh, there's a hat. And then I kept going scene by scene. And every time there was a close-up or anything close enough to where I could tell, it was the hat. Wow. It was the hat through almost 80% of the movie from there forward. So it went from being just some stunt guy's hat to the hat that he wore through most of the movie, which wow. just blew me away. Yeah. You know, and the the funny thing is, I, you know, and again, I don't want to advertise this to people. Don't, you know, you want to get paperwork and you want to get history. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely nothing on this hat. Absolutely zero. I got it from a collector. They got it from another collector. I know the source. I know how it went. Right. And it was one of those situations where you just don't ask for paperwork, you know? You're just happy to get it and take it and run. And thank God I don't need the paperwork now because it matches. But um, it was a funny situation, you know, yeah. because once, once I kept it under wraps for a long time because there was several people after the hat and a lot of other people wanted it. So I kind of kept it quiet. And then when the new movie came out, I kind of unveiled it, put it on the website, and I told a bunch of other websites about it and the first thing that people said was, what kind of paperwork? I don't right. believe it. It's not true unless I see the paperwork. <laughs> so that's when I had to give people an education on what it means to screen match, you yeah. know, which which happens on a very few of the pieces people own. You yeah. know, it's probably, I don't know, 10, 20% of my pieces really match on screen. The rest have good authenticity and good sources, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, the case with most collections. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we were talking about this earlier before we, we started this podcast, but I think, you know, in the past, people didn't really even talk about screen matching all that much, and now, all of a sudden, it's, it seems like that's all anybody's talking about lately. And really, I mean, every piece has its own story, its own history, its own circumstances, and I think screen matching has kind of become this almost, almost like a sort of lazy... I mean, it's not lazy. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's it's like people want it. If it's not screen match, they don't want it, and it's. I don't think that's a good way to approach collecting personally because there's so many other ways to authenticate a piece that's very valid. And well, you'll have a very small collection. Yeah. Okay, I'd have one out of my five hoverboards. Right. And of the hoverboards that we've had over the years, because we've literally had quite a few of each. Uh, I've only screen matched two, okay? One mm-hmm. that I have and another one. That's it. None of the rest of screen match. But I know they're all absolutely wrote. They're all used. They're all, we all know the sources, and that's the way it is. Yeah. And I'm extremely happy with mine, and I'm not selling them. Right. But they don't screen match. And that's, so it's, you know, people yeah. just got to realize there's levels of of authenticity, and there's levels of, it matching or not or being used or not. You just have to do your research and understand where it's at. Right. And a lot of times you don't have all the information at the time you buy it or you own it. I mean, people always make new discoveries. I mean, look at just back to the future, you know, that's going to come out on Blu-ray. Is it in a 
Is it October. next month? Okay, October. Yeah. Yep. And you're going to have a field day going yep. through that those films frame by yeah, frame probably I, I may for match months. Things finally, yeah, which is fine. But you know, I knew they were good before. I mean, the indie hat's the perfect example of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That was not screen match and not even what it was supposed to be. <laughs> right. It's just right time, right place, and know where you're getting it from. And yeah. it could turn out to be better if you're lucky. It turns out to match. That's great. Yeah, but it should be a benefit. It should be icing on the cake, is what right. it is. And kind of, I mean, my I think sort of my approach to authentication over the years is kind of like you do what you can to really challenge what the piece is and document what you have, and also make a list of what questions are outstanding. What what is it that you're still concerned about, given the information you have? And then over time, you still try to pursue more information. And, you know, depending on what you get, that might address some of those, you know, original questions that, you know, you weren't able to address three years ago or or whatever. But I mean, a lot of people don't even keep things for three years. So, you know, know. it just depends on on what you're collecting and what what your goals are. But, you know, a lot of times it's, it's it's a lot of work to really keep pursuing, you know, new information about, about what you have. It's something that's not coming straight from, you know, the production or principal from the production. Yep. So. I agree. So having said that, that's probably a good point to wrap up. <laughs> sure. Sounds good. We probably went pretty long here. Yeah, but that's good. Sorry. I, I can't shut up. I keep going. You know, no, that's good. I'd rather have you talking than, um, listening to myself <laughs> asking questions. So, <laughs> But anyway, thanks for your time, and we're going to do this again at some point, not too far in the future, about yeah, something pretty interesting. And um, I'll be talking to Jeff real soon, and, and thanks again for being a guest. No problem. Thanks, All Jason. Right. Thank you for listening to our program, Prop Talk. For the latest news about the world of original television and movie memorabilia, please visit us online at www.originalpropblog.com.
guy here. Um, you can't even say Moosebusters. 